Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Cali Night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Greg Bowman. FA Cup giant killers Grimsby Town are comfortably seen off as United move into second thanks to Stevenage's slip-up at Rochdale. We look back on that win over the Mariners for looking ahead to this weekend's long trip south to take on Swindon Town. So this is what happens when you get a professional involved. You nail the intro first time, don't you? No, 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 no need to do it again or anything like that. Yes, as you can tell... Uh, Mike and Dan are available this week, so I've gone into the emergency loan market and uh, brought in Greg Bowman once again, who filled in earlier this season. How are you doing, Greg? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. I think you have a good week when you've had a good result on the weekend, so I'm very good. Indeed, yeah, you can't grumble too much, but I've been moving up to second place as well. That was a nice little bonus on top, wasn't it? I think it's fair to say. And then with the midweek results, it's it looks even better now, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll get, we'll get on to them shortly, won't we? Um, yeah, as usual today, we're going to be uh, rounding up the news from this week, doing a little loan watch update as well. We've, um, we've got the review of that Women of Grimsby, and then we'll also be previewing the Swindon game before doing the X-Files section. Before all that, though, uh, I've got to tell you about uh, the sponsor details for this season and where you can find the podcast and how to subscribe and get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Cal United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlallondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cumbrians.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Right, Greg, let's get into it. Straight into the news section. Uh, first up, uh, it, it, it's a bit of reserves action we're going to talk about, isn't it? It's... Uh, United getting knocked out of the Cumberland Cup. Yes, the Blues' yeah. involvement this season uh, is over, being ended by the Reds of Workington as they went down to a 4-2 defeat in midweek at Borough Park. I mean, it's one of those ones, isn't it, Greg? It's a nice one to do well in, isn't it, the Cumberland Cup, but it's not the major concern. I know Simo would like to try and take it as seriously as possible, but the big bonus is those three lads coming back from injury, getting appearances, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And I watched the highlights because uh, mm. Working Reds have put them up. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it looked like it was a really good game as well. First yeah. half in particular, it looked really good. And and I'm, even though we've got beat, I feel a lot more positive about that compared to how we went out last year. When, and when you think about the team and the quality that we put out to Carlisle City last year and, yeah. and the way we capitulated and then what we've done. Yeah, it's not good to go out and, you know, fair play to Working, but... 
yeah, getting those minutes under the belt and getting a goal for for Edmondson, fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Workington put quite a strong team. I think there was only a handful of players who weren't first team players in their team, and you know, they for them it's a chance to win a trophy, obviously as well. So they're obviously looking forward to that. Um, as you mentioned, they obviously the, the, the three players, uh, injured players who made appearances were Ryan Edmondson, who scored United's opener, Ben Barkley, and Josh Dixon. Now, Ben, sorry, Ben and uh, Ryan got an hour each. Josh Dixon got the last uh, 15 minutes and from what uh, Gavin Skelton was saying, there was a few challenges put in on him and he was comfortable then, which is, is what you want. Is, I mean, that lad's had the most rotten luck, hasn't he, over the last yeah. three or four seasons. He, he, you really want to see him try and do well. Um, on top of that, first team is Mick Kelly, Jaden Harris and Jack Robinson also uh, featuring the team that was mostly made of a youth team as uh, Mason Hardy got... Uh, United's other goal and uh, Reds on their going to face Carlisle City in the next round. Big game for them both. Um, up next, academy recruitment. This is one that was that broke just after me, Dan and Mike recorded last week. Um, United have announced the recruitment for next year's YTS players has been finalised. Um, there are a couple of familiar names in there as well among the uh, under-18 ranks for next season. Uh, five players have come from the academy and they've made the step up while three of us have arrived from outside the setup. Um these include the young lad, uh, I think it's Freddie O'Donoghue from Isle yeah. of Man. Uh, there's a lad from Gated and another lad from Sheffield United. He sounds quite interesting. I think it's James Murray's his name. And he's actually already featured a few times for the youth team this season. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on because he, he looks like one maybe it could be a good prospect. It's interesting, just before we go on and talk about the, the lads who come from the academy, I, I, before we record it, I wonder how many players have actually you know gone on to be professional and come from the Isle of Man because there can't be that many, surely. I had a look through, and there's a few there. There's a lad who's at Doncaster, Adam Long. There's, a, there's another lad who's mostly playing in America. There was a lad who played in the 50s or something for Tranmere, I think. I, I This genuinely blew my mind. Kieran Tierney. He's right. Douglas, he's from Douglas, from the Isle of Man. I know, I, I presumed he was just, you know, a Glasgow born and bred, you know, lad playing for Celtic and then obviously for Arsenal later on, plays for Scotland. But no, he's from the Isle of Man originally. That genuinely blew my. I did not know that. So there you go. That's an interesting well, fact. Was wasn't there? No, I might be wrong. I'm sure there was an ex. One of the lads who came for our team uh, when because I went to the Ironman when we played pre-season. And I'm sure was, did Matt Clennon play for for the Ironman national team or am I am I getting confused with another player? That's that's a good question. That well, I'll open that up to listen. Dan will probably know that one. So we'll ask Dan about that. Uh, yeah. next I just got. I've got a feeling he played for the Ironman against us. Yeah, oh, interesting one, that one. Um, yeah, so uh, on top of that, there's uh, five lads who've come from the academy. Um, the two familiar names, uh, Dan Hopper and Bobby Skinner, who are the sons of former Blues players, Tony and Steve. And obviously, Tony sadly passed away a few years ago after his battle with motor neuron disease. It's a, it's a nice little story, that one, isn't it? His, his young lad, Dan, uh, getting a uh, YTS yeah. contract, at least. And I know he's, by the looks of it, from what I've heard, he's not really wanted to make a big fuss of it because he says, look, I'm just one player in a squad I don't want a big song and dance made about which is good to see yeah. actually he's got a level yeah. head on him hasn't he and his aim is to get into a contract so uh, it'd be lovely if the pair of them could uh, could potentially get themselves into the first team at some point in the future but yeah. uh, long road ahead for the for the pair of them uh, now I didn't put any other news bits in but you've got a couple of few bits you want to drop in Greg don't you yeah so obviously we heard the other week the Waterworks has came back so we now have a, a second yeah. song by the Waterworks Ooh. Moxon with a fox on. Uh, sounds very Mac lads, I think. So uh, good stuff there. Uh, give it a listen and give some money to Carlisle Food Bank if you if you can. Yeah. Uh, we've also this week. There's been a poster that's that's gone out now. This mm. it feels for once that we're doing a bit of a push for the games because yeah. you go online and 
fans always say, oh, you don't push it hard enough. It's not, you know, we need to get the message out there. So there's a poster out there now. You can get it from the club shop. There's banners you can download yeah. for your for your Twitter feed and it shows the dates of the five remaining games. And if you can get down to Brunton Park for those games, please do, because when you see that list of the games and the running that we've got, we've got a tough running. I mean, we've only got five home games left. But in our 12 matches, we play 10 of the top 12. So, yes, we've had a fantastic season and we're doing brilliant, but we need to get behind the lads now on this home straight. Absolutely. And uh, the one little bit you spotted, um, the club have just uh, published a thing today showing that they're selling uh, mugs for Mother's Day, which is a nice touch, but there's a slight issue with it, isn't there? They've, they've said, happy, happy Mother's Day, Mum. And being a Carlisle lad, I've got a mum. I don't have a mum, yeah. but um, I think I think it's good that the club are starting to do these kind of things. We we miss out on so many key dates in the year with getting merch and money. So mm. if anybody from the club is listening, and it's March now, now is the time to get the Christmas jumpers designed because <laughs> yes. I want a Carlisle United Christmas jumper. So. Please. Yeah, you've been shut off for years and I'm 100% yes. happy on that. Right. Get, a, get a Call United Christmas jumper done, lads. Come on, it's not it's not difficult. Um, right, well, let, let's get on to loan watching. We'll bash through this quickly. Um, Max Killsby made his 25th appearance for Alan at the weekend, um, but it was a disappointing one for him and the uh, Galabankis. They went down to a 3-2 defeat thanks to an injury time winner for Stenhouse Muir at Galabank. Uh, that result actually sees uh, Stenhouse Muir leapfrog them into third, so now they've dropped down to fourth. Uh, this weekend they've got a home clash with Albion Rovers, so if you can't get down to um, Swindon for the game, maybe pop along to Allen and see how uh, Maxi and the lads are getting on there. Um, Lewis Bell, no game for him, and Gretna 2008 this weekend. Um, so the weekend just gone. Uh, this weekend they travelled to Bowness United. Sam Fishburn, another, a couple of cameos this week in terms of sub appearances for him. Um, first up of the weekend, Morpeth went down to a 2-1 defeat at his former club, Lancaster City. He only came on in the 88th minute in that game. And then it was a longer European midweek. He came on in the 60th minute, but it was another 2-1 defeat at Mask United. Um, this weekend, the Highwaymen face again the game against... Uh, the home, I think, yeah, home against Warrington Town, um, followed by a midweek trip to Bamber Bridge. I mean, they're sliding down the table, Morpeth, so... Uh, and, and Sam's not getting a huge amount of game time at the moment, which is a, bit, a little bit worrying for him, I guess. Um, Kai Nugent, though... Um, Another appearance for him uh, for, in working the colours. He actually played against working, didn't he? Yeah. In midweek. Must have been a bit of a weird one for him. Yeah. Uh, so he made another appearance for the Reds uh, at the weekend and he helped them to a 3 0 home victory over Hanley Town. This weekend they've got a trip to, fa- to Lancashire to face Colm. Uh, do you remember Colm Dynamos in the 90s? There was a big. They were, like, they were one of the non league sides. I mean, nowadays you have these non league sides where people plow money to them. They were the yeah. original. One of oh, those, weren't they? I, think. I, I can't remember that one. There's a story about them somewhere. They, they were trying to get into the league, and I think they got as far as the conference, and then it just fell apart or something. But but yeah, I remember that one. Uh, and finally, Dan Hill, uh, Clayton Moore Celtic. Um, I mean, their rotten run just continues. They uh, lost 2-1 at home to Atherton Laburnum Rovers, um, and it was another appearance for Dan at least. But this week, they've uh, got a trip down to Greater Manchester to take on Daisy Hill at the weekend before a midweek trip down the A595 to play Hulker Old Boys. So, yeah, Hulker Old Boys right up near the top, I think, there. So, yeah, going along well. Very good. Right, match review time, Greg. It's time to talk yep. about Kylie Knight 2, Grimsby Town 0. Um, 
if I was going to use one word to describe this performance, I would use the word efficient. It yeah. felt we didn't, we did the job. We never really had to get massively out of second or third gear. We kept them at arm's length, didn't no. overexert ourselves. And at the end of the day, they're the kind of results you need to get in the running, aren't they? I mean, you only have to look at Rochdale slipping up, at, sorry, Stevenage slipping up at Rochdale the weekend to yeah. know that you just sometimes need to grind out and win these games, don't you? Yeah, it it was a it was a funny one because I think with the way that they set the team up, that it was I don't know if there was thinking or what I don't know what what team we're going to be playing against because there was a lot of changes. But yeah. it it was like a chess match at first. No team yeah. dominated, but then we just had that little spell in the first half where we just we just turned it up a little bit for four or five minutes, and then it kind of just knocked the stuffing out of them. And, and yeah. I don't want to say it was a canter after that, but. It wasn't really. We didn't have to break sweat, like you say. Yeah, it, it, it was much easier than it probably could have been. I suspect if if Grimsby had put out a stronger side, obviously allowing for the fact that they played in midweek in their FA Cup and got an incredible result, um, they made seven changes, didn't they, to their yeah. starting? That was the outfield players as well. So effectively, Max Crokin was played in both games, and only I say yeah, two of the first. Well, no, two. Three other first teamers would have been the same, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it goes to show. I mean, that that was obviously going to have an impact, isn't it? But you've got to be professional and still put in the performance. Um, totally. In terms of team selection, there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, before the game of a, a sickness bug in the team, and you know, potentially we might only name seven subs, possibly. No, sorry, six subs on the bench, you know, because of issues and that. As it was, it turned out we all found out who the one player the big bug was, and that was uh, Joel Senior, wasn't it? Who Simo did reveal after the game hadn't actually eaten properly for about twenty four hours, thirty six hours before the game, so didn't want to risk him starting, but felt he'd be okay to be on the bench. Um, and Jordan Gibson came in to play at right wing back. Uh, it, I mean, he had options potentially to play Corey Wheeler there, didn't he? But he, he stuck with uh, Jordan yeah. Gibson. What, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Um- I, well, I wasn't when I seen the team announced. I wasn't really sure how he was going to mm. set the team up, so he kind of stuck to the same formation. But there was spells when it went more four four two, and Feeney kind of slotted in at right yeah. back. He was taking all the throw ins, which predominantly the person who plays at the wing back tends to take. So, I'd, even though um, Jordan was there, he, he was still a lot. He was playing in more of an advanced role than yeah. say what Senior would play and. Grimsby didn't go and attack that area. If that was me and I'd seen that team, I would have been peppering balls into down that uh, left their yeah. left hand flank, and they didn't seem to really go for it. Um, I yeah. think they set it up wrong, really. Yeah, it was a strange one, wasn't it? Because he, he he looked much more comfortable when he was playing a bit further forward, when he sort of played in that four four two slash four three three that we sort of interchangeable, wasn't it? Really, at that point, and he yeah, it seemed a very odd decision for them not to, to target that because it. It looked clear to me a couple of times early on that, oh, defensively, he could be a little bit weaker in this position. But as it yeah. was, they, they didn't. And you're right, it's, it's a bit of a strange one, that one from them, I suppose. They went down our left, which is our strongest side, which is a bit of, bit of a weird choice to make. Um, let's get into it and talk about the chances and the goals. Then. I mean, in terms of early chances, um, they did have the first two decent chances in the game, didn't they, really? Yeah. Otis Khan had a good one where he cut in from the left and curled one that on the video, looks a lot closer than it did when we saw it in the, in the flesh. I thought it was comfortably wide, but it, it wasn't that far off. It bent at the last minute, didn't it? It was a yeah, a tight one, that one. And then their best chance of the game... Yeah, best chance of the game? Yeah, probably was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, from George Lloyd. It was just a sort of 
nothing hoof forward and a great first touch to set himself. And then he just took the shot early, didn't he? And and it would have been easy for Thomas Shirley to get caught out there, but he made a great save, didn't he? Fantastic. And, you know, it gets a lot of stick, Thomas, but the way he got down, because, yeah. you know, with, with his height, that will not have been an easy save to make, but... It, and it looked, it looks good. And when you see it on the replay, it looks even better. Yeah, it's funny because he. I don't know if you saw him midweek. He did the um, uh, just a minute or the thing. You know, the club do. You know, just a second. Oh minute. yeah. And uh, he was asked about it. And he was laughing, saying, "Well, oh no, you know, I, you know, I hurt my knee, my back, my head, and everything doing that save. I was glad he actually saved it at least. So, so yeah, it was a, that was a tough one for him. Um, but at that point, we just started to get a slight grip on the game, didn't we? Yeah. Guy, guy had a chance from distance that was. Straight at Croke, and he spilled it, but he, 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 I think, recovered for the for the save for rebound. Yeah, and then the goal, and and this was really a great example of that tenacity in in the press that we've shown all season, isn't it? Really, in terms of winning the ball back. Yeah, Patrick does brilliantly well to have because they they were playing it quite nicely along the back. I didn't realize they'd actually played about five six passes before that, and it came to the lad. I think it was Hunt in midfield, and both McCalmont and Patrick were right on him. Patrick's the one who wins it and almost effectively backheels it into the path of McCallum. He sets himself quite nicely and kills a lovely ball into the bottom corner, doesn't he? And we, it's interesting that people on the east hand side were saying how good it was, and we were saying, "Oh, wait till you see if you could see it from the other side, you'd see it was an even better strike, wouldn't you?" Yeah, well, it looked fantastic from our point, and and it's just it was just the curl on it. Just he didn't have a chance, Crokin. But it, it seems that seems to be his 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 forty. It looks like he's got that curling shot. Just mm. just. Popping in, he, I've been really impressed with him since he's got in the team of Carmen, and I'm so pleased Northern Ireland didn't pick him. So yeah, that, that's one thing we didn't mention in the news actually. That Northern Ireland announced their next international squad, and Alfie's not made it, which is a shame for him, but great news for us because it means he won't miss the games against Bradford and Gillingham, and they're going to be big games, then, aren't they? Really? Yeah, and they re- they retweeted the gif of of the goal, yeah. and when the Nor- when Northern Ireland did that, I thought, ah, he's in the squad. Yeah. They're, they're just getting, they're just setting it ready, and then when he wasn't in, I'm like, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and I'd imagine as well. I don't know if he's is he too old for the under twenty one side. I can't remember how old he is, but I imagine if he's called off the under twenty one, he'd probably want to turn it down, wouldn't he? Because he'd want yeah. to keep his place in a promotion push. Good hope. Think. You know, you yeah. hope so, wouldn't you? But yeah, you're right. He's got something about him, hasn't he? I try to think of players in the past. He sort of reminds me of. He's got a little bit of that. Liam Noble about us, but without yeah. the sort of without the head case element to it, you know, because Liam could you know fly into tackles and, and get a bit wound up easily, couldn't he? But yeah, or a Bennett maybe. Yeah, it's sort of a combination of the two. Quite a busy player, but quite tidy on the ball as well. He yeah. keeps it moving nicely. He's, he's definitely one worth looking at in the summer if we can get him permanently. I think if whatever division we go into, I think he'd be a great signing. Um, yeah. And we've clearly got a very special relationship with Leeds these days, haven't we? One <laughs> yeah. we, we certainly didn't have in the past, bizarrely. So there you go. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a great goal. He's second in, what, four appearances now, I think, or five appearances, or yeah. four starts at least anyway. Um, so lovely to see. And then um, another chance for, for Garner after a good counter down the right. Gibson set him up and it was he couldn't really get out of his feet. He sort of scuffed it straight at the keeper, so it wasn't really much of a chance. And then Jordan Gibson's goal and... We've got to start with this one, haven't we, Greg? With Joe Garner and the work he did on the halfway line. For yeah, game. yeah, fantastic work. You know, it's just when he puts himself about and he's and he's so busy and you know he, he should have maybe had more goals than what he's got since his return. Mm. But the effort that he's had and the fact that he's keeping Dennis out the team just shows you know how vital he is at the moment. 
That's not taking anything away from Dennis. No, absolutely not. So he, he does brilliantly to win not just one header, but two in the middle. Yeah. Uh, maybe a slight stray arm on the uh, Grimsby uh, defender when it, as he did it. But uh, yeah. and the lad goes down with a, a, a head injury and um, the ref. I, I was genuinely surprised the ref played that on, you know, because I was convinced he was going to blow up for a free kick. But no, no free kick. And game continued. Moxon got the ball, spread it out nicely to Gibson. And he just set himself lovely, didn't he? And, I would say he looked a great strike when he scored it from our side. Yeah. And and this is not taken any away from John because it is a really well-struck ball. Crokem leaves him a big gap, doesn't he? Totally, totally. When when I saw it in the flesh, it reminded me of the, the strike that he scored at Barrow away uh, yes. last yeah. season. When he, when he was, well, if, if you've seen it in that oh, dump of a ground. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was kind of like, it's, like I see it now as like a trademark Gibson goal of, but when I've watched the highlights back, he he cuts in one point, he cut he goes out wide on another point. He had he's had the defender on toast for the entire match, and then and then that finish, fantastic. Yeah, it was great to see, wasn't it? And it, I suppose for Grimsby, that was a sort of like a bit of a, a bummer for them. It's kind of like ugh, worst possible time to concede, especially as you've already gone one nil down to so then go two nil down just before the break. There must have been this sort of sinking feeling. We're up against second in the or third or second in the league here. What's our chances of getting back into it? And as it was, second half, I thought we were. It's the most in control of the game I think I've seen of all season in terms of that performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I just think we just nullified it. We hmm. didn't really, like we said earlier, got out of second gear. I thought Guy and McCallum in the middle just bossed it. They just they seemed to have each other's backs when one went forward, one yeah. stopped back, and it just seemed to work. They didn't really they didn't really offer a lot. There was the one yeah. chance, and then that was about it, really. Well, well, we worked out at the time, didn't we, when we were actually at the game. In the 72nd minute, um, Thomas Holy had only touched the ball three times, and that was all free to take free kicks, basically, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that's how in control we were of the, of the, of the game, so... Really good to see. Um, in terms of other chances, there was a, a really good one for Mellish intercepting the ball in the middle and doing what he does best. Bursting forward, plays in Patrick. Uh, he sort of scuffed a, a shot wide. Uh, there was another one where Patrick got away down the um, the left and he, he played a nice ball into Moxie, but he was always just stretching that little bit, wasn't he? And he yeah. fired over the bar, which was a shame. Um, and yeah, beyond that, I mean, there was one more chance for Gibson towards the end where he cut nicely in little sorts of... Um, like a chop, isn't it? I suppose they call it that little chop sort of thing where he gets the ball onto his left foot and hits it well. But Moxon was, uh, Moxon, sorry, Crokham was very well positioned to, to save it. And then there was only really those um, ch- couple of chances, I think, for um, Grimsley, wasn't it? Which was the what the head of the, the post actually was the main one. Yeah, um, I thought it was going wide at the point, so I didn't even yeah. really react. I just, I just thought oh, it's, it's a nothing, and it just kind of floated in and just. Stuck on the post, really. Well, the rest of the Grimsby attackers were the same, weren't they? Because if, yeah. they if they'd been quick enough, they probably could have got a tap in there because Holy was left stranded by the header and he had enough time to run across and pick up the loose ball, didn't he? So, yeah. so there you go. And, and that was pretty much it. So, um, yeah, couldn't grumble at all with a 2-0 win, a clean sheet. You know, you've got to be happy with that. Um, Mike was at the game with me and he did send in a six-second review. So this is what Mike had to say about the game. I think it was just a good, solid, professional performance. Uh, Simo commented that the atmosphere seemed a little bit flat, and I'll kind of agree with him, but it's not what you'd call an exciting game to get people up for it. It was just a professional, solid job, really. Um, I'm sure that the atmosphere 
you know, for the Stevenage game will be a lot better because there's a lot more riding on that. Um, couple of comments. That uh, holy save at nil-nil, absolutely fantastic. I don't think the highlights do it justice. Um, and Gibson on the right side in the second half, down by the paddock, did one of the sexiest first touches that I've seen in years. Oh, there you go. He didn't even put his up the blues there, and that's how that's how professional that performance was, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> you mentioned about the the atmosphere there. Now, I have got this down as one of the talking points. It's something that Simo mentioned. It was in his post match comments. He basically said he he could sense a nervousness in the crowd, and and it was a bit quiet and wasn't quite up to what you'd expect. And um, yeah, he kind of said like maybe they need to lift the team, but also the team needs to lift them a little bit. Would would you disagree with what? Simo said? No, I think I think Mike had a point there when he said about the game. Um, there was a, I think there was a little bit of nervousness. I don't know if it was because Grimsby just had a cracking result midweek and folk were like, oh, I'm, I'm worried about this. Oh. Or if it was folk thinking, we've got such a horrendous run-in of fixtures, this is, without being disrespectful to Grimsby, potentially our easiest game on paper. And they would, and it was that kind of we can't lose this match because we have to get three points today, and it was it was a little bit subdued, but you know they've done the job. And like he says, I think when we we play Stevenage, you'll hear uh, there'll be a lot more noise getting made. I think you're absolutely right there. I think that's a fair point, and I think there is a a little bit of a historic nervousness there of looking back. And I, I was saying this when I was speaking to the Swindon guy um, that we've had this weird run of where. If you look at it, we've had the season we made the playoffs with Curl, and we, and we obviously lost there. Next season was pretty average to poor. Following season, we looked like we were destined for the playoffs or promotion under Sheridan, and then obviously Presley took our second half of the season and it went belly up. Yeah. Following season was a real struggle. First season under Beach looked like we were potentially going for the playoffs and dropped off massively. Next season was a struggle. We're on to the, the current season now, and there's a feeling... Is history going to repeat itself? I wonder if people maybe are looking at it that way and there's a bit of, how, how are we going to manage to mess it up this time? I don't think we will. I think we'll go up. I'm confident and I never felt after we went 2-0 down that we were going to that we were going to lose the game. And maybe that maybe it's a complacency in that way, maybe possibly. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But it was, like I said, it was just such a professional performance. There, were, there wasn't a lot to get cheering about. There wasn't a lot of chances. Yeah. And even though they probably had more of the ball, it, you know, we're one. Of, I think we're probably the best team in the league. Who, when they don't have the ball, yeah, and it, it just felt comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the, as you say with the stats, they did have more of the ball. I mean, only margin, well, fifty six percent to our forty four. It's not a massive difference, but the difference is the shots on t- shots and shots on target. They had four shots and one on target. We had fifteen shots and five on target. So th- there's your big difference, isn't it? Really, that's the switch. Only three corners in the game. Though. That's quite a surprise. You don't see that very often, do you? It's yeah. Such a low number. Uh, other talking points. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Jordan Gibson's versatility. Um, in seeing his absence, came in at right wing back. I think he's the fifth player to play right wing back for us this season. So you've got Finn back, obviously, Jack Ellis, Joel Senior, um, Ben Barkley. In fact, though, Corey Whedon's played there briefly as well. So it's six player to have played right wing back for us this season. I don't is count that, more. Well, that's not including the subs, though, is it? Um... Did Harris not come? Did Harris come on against Northampton and play Harris, there? Yeah, seven. All right, no, that does include subs because Corey Whelan played there as a sub. So yeah, seven. I'm not including Feeney <laughs> because he was a right back rather than right wing back. But I mean, that's astonishing when you think about, it, isn't it? That we've had 
two players play at left wing back this season, and only one of them has only played five minutes at left wing back, which is Duncan Iden, and seven or eight different players playing right wing back. Yeah, yeah. just just different in terms of look. Gibson's performance, obviously, we felt he played a bit better further on, but it just goes to show that he's got a good attitude, hasn't he? And it's a good attitude in the squad, isn't it? That he's like he's told you you're going to go and do a job there for us today, and he's just got on with it, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's he, he looked like he hadn't been out the team, and and I think that's that is credit to him. We've got some good options in midfield, and he's had to be patient, but he's came in, he's came in, and he's done a cracking job. And Simo says he wants selection addicts. Well, they'll have one this weekend. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's, he's got some options to, to make there, hasn't he? Um, <clears throat> Thomas Hurley. Then we, we sort of briefly touched on it before about his save and what a brilliant save it was. I think the big thing about that save for me is it. It's easy as a goalkeeper if you if you're not busy in a game, suddenly, yeah. something suddenly happens. It's what the top goalkeepers are capable of doing. You've got to be ready then to react to that moment. I mean, you've got to be concentrated and ready to go. And he was, and that did come out of nothing. That chance really it wasn't, as he said on in his interview. I think he said like, look, probably wasn't expecting it because you know you'd expect him to maybe take another touch and set himself, but he he got it perfectly off first time, and you know he's pulled off the save. And that's what you need from a goalkeeper, isn't it? You need a goalkeeper ready to react in those situations. Yeah, yeah, he, he just, and like I said, he, he gets a lot of stick, but his distribution, them clearances that he's getting now with the, you know, this, I think his games really came on in the last yeah. uh, few weeks and he's, the, he's handling of the crosses. People forget how, how good he is at commanding the box. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I was imp- I was impressed with him again. Yeah, it, it amazes me how many teams come, come to us and, and just basically loft balls into the box and it's like, thank you very much, I'll, I'll gather them up every time. You can put crosses in there difficult for him if you whip them in with pace and put them at the right height for the attacker. But if you put it high enough that he can come and claim it early, it just seems stupid, really. But yeah. I think distribution-wise, it's a good point to make that. I think Joe Garner being in the team has made a big difference to him, hasn't it? He's now got this ability to go and pick a man in the attack who he knows he's going to bring the ball down a lot of time or chase the ball down a lot. Yeah. Which I suppose, in one way, is to Christian Dennis's detriment, I suppose. And Christian Dennis has got a great first touch. He can hold the ball up, but... He's not the greatest in the air in terms of flick-ons, whereas Joe Garner undoubtedly is. He's brilliant at it. Yeah. Um, Stats-wise, he's now on 14 clean sheets for the season. He's just two away from being United's best stopper in terms of clean sheets since Kieran Westwood in 07 who got 18. So actually, he's only four away from equaling um, Westwood, which I think he's more than capable of achieving, isn't he, surely? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, well he's saying he wants, he said he's, he wants minimum of 20, so... Yeah, and I mean, that means keeping him, you know, 50-50 in terms of clean sheets for the rest of the season, possibly. So, yeah. interesting to see if he can do it. Um, and just one more thing to mention before we do a little quick roundup of League Two. Um, Joe Garner. I mean, what can you say about him? You know, he's, he turns 35 next month and he still runs around like an 18-year-old, doesn't he, in terms of chasing the ball down and his work rate. And he didn't even look like he was tiring that much when he came off, did he really? But that's two games in a row now, home games, where he's one man of the match and he's not even scored, has he? Yeah, yeah, I think it shows it. I, I wouldn't have given him, man, I would have given it to Callum Guy myself. Um, I just yeah, thought great. he put he put himself about, he seemed to be everywhere. It, it, would, it would have been between him or McCormick for me, but I can't, uh, can't fault Garner's game. Nobody had a bad game. It was one of yeah. those days where um, it was just a solid professional performance, but Garner was one of the better players, definitely. I just, I just like his the way he wins those free kicks. He, it's, he's never lost that that knack of holding the ball up, putting himself in the right place at the at the right time, and no, he's he's, he's great. Yeah, and I'd agree with you on Callum Guy entirely. I thought he was man of the match. I thought Garner had a great game, to be fair, 
But uh, I, I have to give credit to my to my good friend Ian, who um, yeah, I, I talk to about Carl all the time, and he uh, he sent me a message after the game, and he just said the words "Ungailo Kante." So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's how good he was, basically, and he and he played like Ungailo Kante, didn't he? And the way he got around the pitch was fantastic. Yeah, really, really good to see. Uh, just a quick little roundup of league two before we go into the second half of the show. Then, Greg, um, I mean the big one for us: Stevenage messing up at Rochdale. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the stats for this game, it's incredible. They had nearly thirty shots, Stevenage, but only four of them were on target. And it feels—I don't want to get ahead of myself—but does it feel like the wheels have fallen off of them a little bit? I, I, I mean, other than the Wimbledon win the other week, they're on a—they are on a, a wretched run. And I think when they play us, uh, yeah. the following game they've got Stockport, and then the one after that they've got Salford. Wow. So. In four games' time, you're going to know if Stevenage are in the mix, one way they, or another. They've also got a little bit of a goalkeeper crisis going on, because at the moment, they've got a emergency loan goalkeeper in, um, Toby Savin, who's on loan from Accrington Stanley. Um, the way emergency loans work these days, it's all changed in terms of goalkeepers. You can only have them on a seven-day loan, and you have to renew it every seven days, basically, depending on whether your keeper's fit again or not, or that kind of thing. Now, uh, Lucas Jensen... Um, of uh, formerly of this parish, believe it or not, uh, Dan, Dan refuses to believe it at times. Um, he got sent off for Accrington against Ipswich. Um, now he potentially will be suspended. So Accrington, I've put an appeal in, but if that fails, Toby Savin has to go back to Accrington, which leaves Stevenage in a bit of a muddle because I think their first choice keeper is still out injured. He's still Crikey. not fit again. So they're potentially going to have to get a different goalkeeper in on a seven-day loan or possibly put a youth team keeper in or a young keeper who's never made a first-team appearance. So that's a bit of a pick-off for them, isn't it? That's the worst possible timing for that as well to happen. So could could play into our hands quite nicely, though. Yeah, but you know, you do know a club who who had to go and get themselves an emergency loan goalkeeper, so... (laughs) A little bit. bit, bit. It's still early for that, yeah. <laughs> L- little bit different that was, wasn't it? I oh yeah. In terms of the results, obviously just above us, uh, Orient. They only managed to draw against Swindon at home, so we've uh, we've gained two points on them as well. You know, hey, eh? you never know. Win the game in hand and then beat them at uh, Brisbane Road. We only be five points behind. I keep saying it. <laughs> but, uh, you never, you never. I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? But there you go. Um, Barrow, uh, their mini revival continues. They're just scraping results together, aren't they? So. There's a big question. Can they make a late charge for the playoffs? I think they're probably just a little bit too far off now, I think. They're only about, is it five points, seven points? Yeah, but I think one of the problems for them is that Sutton are also in an incredible run. I yeah. mean, they they did draw against Crew at the weekend, but they're remarkable form. I don't think they've lost in about eight or nine now. They are the form team in the division, so you know they're, they're really fine. They're still not quite in the playoff positions, but they're, they're closing them down. In terms of the rest of the playoffs, Stockport have hit a bit of a sticky patch, haven't they? It looked like they were flying up the table and suddenly a couple of tough results. It it sounds like they had all the chances midweek. Yeah. They just couldn't they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. And and Gillingham are, are quite a tough side to, to break down, aren't they? I think we saw that earlier this season. They might not have scored much of goals in the first half season, but they didn't have a terrible defensive record. That's the one thing that stood out. Um in midweek obviously as well. I mean Bradford got a result the weekend with two Late, late goals against uh, Colchester, which we'll talk about in the X-Files section, as you can probably guess who scored there. Yeah. Um, but in midweek, they drew at Walsall as well, in the similar way that Gillingham, sorry, Stockport drew at home against Gillingham. So two great results in midweek for us, isn't it? And it's, you look at it now, and 
look, we're not, we're not, at the very least, we're going to be in the playoffs this season, aren't we? I think it's fair to say. I'm, 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 I'm semi confident in saying that, I think it's fair to say, but a chance of a top three finish is really good for us now, isn't it? It, it is, but like I keep saying, we've got a, a wretched run in the games. And, I, and, I, and when that poster went out this week, I seen a few fans. Who, I, I, I don't know if they're just like they've got themselves carried away and they've seen those fixtures. And, and, and there was that gulp of, oh my words, we've got some really tough ties. So, yeah. But it's in our hands. And you ask all them teams in the playoffs. Would you rather be in our position or theirs? And they're all going to say, "Oh, I'd definitely be in Carlos' position right yeah. now." So, you know, just we've just got to keep going, take it one game at a, at a time, and see what happens. And as well as that, that Stevenage one as well. I look at that one and think, you know what? I'm glad we're playing them now. We're not playing them up three or four, yeah. two or three months ago when they were absolutely flying. And yep. you know they've, they've hit their sticky patch, and this, we couldn't ask for a better time to play them, really. But there you go. Right, we'll take a short break, and then we'll be back with the second half of the show where we'll be previewing the Swindon Town fixture this weekend. Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. I picked that one especially for you, Greg, because I know you like the fact that he says from the Football Club. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible, isn't it? Lovely stuff. There you go, the gaffer himself. Uh, right, we have got a question of the week, Greg. Um, Darren's done it for us this week, so here's the question before we get into the preview. In September 2012, we drew... Two all at home to Swindon in a League One game. Both our goals were scored by a player who only scored one other goal in his Carlisle career. Who was that player? Oh, that's a good question, that one. Ugh. 2012. 2012. Um, hmm. I feel like it's going it's to be a defender probably, isn't it? I think this. I think this game was right near the start, isn't it? it? Rings a bell for me because I was. No, in fact, it won't be twenty. No, this will be. The, oh no! Hang on. Ooh, that is a, that's a good question. Maybe we'll come back to that one. We'll have a little think, but I'm not hundred percent certain on that one. That's that's throwing me a little bit now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a blank at the moment. I'm, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to even think who was in, who was in charge 2012. Was it? Did he say September 2012 or something like that? Was it? He just said. He just said 2012. Hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll have to have a think on that. Oh, well, I'll have to have a little think. Yeah, um, right. Uh, first up in the previous section is the behind enemy lines. Um, this week we spoke to Rich from the Loved Strangers podcast. Um, what did we talk about? We talked about uh, Swindon's hangover from their playoff semi final loss last May, the big turnover of players at the county ground this season, and why we both love Harry McCurdy so much. Here's the chat I had with Rich. Rich, we're here today to talk about all things Swindon Town as part of the Behind Enemy Lines section for our pod. But first of all, I think I did this at the start of the season when I spoke to you guys as well. But can we just say a big thank you to Swindon Town, in particular Mr. Harry McCurdy, <laughs> for that 3-0 defeat last February that sparked <laughs> off a chain of events that led to the saviour himself, Lord Paul Simpson, returning to Brinton Park. And it, it, it sounds ridiculous, but generally was our best result last season, which is it, mental. We beat 3-0. And we were appallingly bad as as you were brilliant in that game. And yet, what it's led to is us being second in the league right now. So a little thank you before we start there, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. yeah, well, let, let's talk about Swindon Town then first, uh, get straight into it. Been quite a topsy-turvy season for you guys, hasn't it? Coming off the back of last season's playoff semi-final defeat, you're currently sat pretty firmly in mid-table. Mm. Every time you seem to get a good run of form together, you then go off on a a run with a few defeats. 
does it feel about right? Um, sort of um, based on your preseason expectations, how things have panned out. Obviously, in terms of what happened in the summer with managers' department, which we'll talk about in a minute. But does it feel like being in mid table is probably about right this year? Yeah, we've had sort of a reverse McCurdy effect, whereas <laughs> we've lost his goals and we haven't really replaced them that well. I would say mid table is about right this season. Was it our expectation? No, uh, I think we we all universally agree that we overachieved last year in the grand scheme of things. We had a very good squad, which we didn't expect to have. And that got dismantled um, because we didn't go up and that, you know, the club sold a few of them on and we haven't replaced them as well. We do have some pretty useful players in there, but even when things were going okay, there was this feeling that, it wasn't quite good enough, which sounds like typical pessimistic football fans. But there was there's never a feeling that we're going to kick on and it's going to keep going. We we kept on dropping points, but we're somehow still in the playoffs. And then we lost three games on the bounce in February, and that did us in. Uh, we've been very patchy since about late November, and that has put us where it's felt like we we're always going to end up. It could still go either way. We could still drop down a couple of positions or we can sneak into the playoffs. But yeah, mid-table is what we are this season at the moment. And it's horrible. It does feel like that playoff pack is very congested in the league two this season, doesn't it? Yeah. I think we've got quite lucky that we had that incredible run in sort of January that basically lifted us above that and put us in a position where we could create a little bit of a buffer. Whereas you look at some of the teams that are competing in there as well. I mean, you look at the fact that, you know, a team like Tranmere that you'd expect to have been right up there are well off the pace this season. Walsall have had that run of draws that has dropped them off. And it, it, it's quite a tough league, isn't it, this year, I think it's fair to say. I don't know if it's tough. It doesn't feel as good as it was last year. Yeah. And that, that might be a bit rich from me saying that because <laughs> we ended up in the playoffs and now we're in mid-table. Um, it, it is congested. But the problem I'm having now is with the current top seven, I, I'm wondering how realistic it is to to take one of them out of the equation. I think Mansfield are right behind in Sutton and Barrow are, are overachieving, but with even with games in hand, we're about seven points behind. And I just think that those teams are a little bit too strong. One of them will inevitably dip out but whether we can be the team that, that sneaks in like we did last year because we needed a very good run of form to get into the playoffs that, at the end of last season. I don't know if we've got it in us. Uh, but yeah, it's congested, but I don't necessarily think that's due to quality this year. And and again, I include Swindon in, in a part of the problem <laughs> yeah. the division has had. Yeah, it, it's interesting you mentioned those teams. I think Sutton probably is the one, if anyone's going to sneak in, it will be them with the incredible run of form they're on. But again, you'd expect them to drop off at some point. And we've got them on the last day of the season, so we're, oh. we're hoping by then at the very least they've dropped off. <laughs> um, right, well, let, let's talk about... Um, you, you kind of answered my next question, which is sort of asking about the fact that, you know, Last summer, maybe you were a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of getting yourself into the playoffs after the, the turmoil you went under the mm-hmm. previous summer. It wasn't, you know, I think going into what a few weeks before the start of the season, you barely had a player signed up, didn't you? And then you put together this squad that turned out to be a very good squad in the end. And, you know, someone like McCurdy coming in and impressing. Ben Garner, mm-hmm. he obviously did an incredible job, ends up departing after one season in charge. Were you disappointed to see him jump ship so soon? I was, yeah, because I'm still one of these old-fashioned mentalities where I feel like you want your head coach to be a part of the long-term goal of the football club. And we are 
getting ever close to sort of that Italian model where head coaches they come and go. Yeah. And I think I think he didn't get on. He didn't have the full support of the fans because he wasn't that interactive with the fans. Mm. And I think that was his only flaw, really. I mean, he had he was quite stubborn in his tactics, but it got us into the playoffs in a season where we had no expectations other than to stay up. And I think, retrospectively, that was still a fair assumption, a fair yeah. target to have given how depleted our squad was with, with a few weeks to go. But this year, I think the majority of Swindon Town fans wanted us to kick on and it hasn't happened for whatever reason. So yeah, Ben Garner was a big loss. You, you don't turn down Charlton Athletic when you've had no, Ben Garner's true. career. We want them to. It didn't work out and now he's at Colchester and I have a sneaky feeling they'll do all right with them. Yeah, it feels like a, a decent setup for him to go into, doesn't it? Especially as, as they start to sort of turn things around a little bit there. Um, in terms of his replacement, Scott Lindsay, um, yeah. were you happy with that? Because it, it seemed like just a bit of like, because there was that long side, wasn't there, about two or three weeks, something like that, where everyone knew Garner was going to Charlton, but neither club was announcing it. It was yeah. very weird. And then he's gone and you're like, right, who you replace me with? And you end up going with Lindsay. And, and yeah, I know he's his assistant, but he didn't really have a record before that, did he? No, that's right. I wasn't a fan of the appointment, more to do with his experience as a head coach yeah. slash manager than, than him as a person. I don't know if he's a good guy, bad guy or whatever, but I I didn't feel, it felt like a a very cheap, all out of options sort of appointment because the noise before they were leaving no stone unturned and then weeks later they recruit the assistant head coach, which made it feel like they weren't able to recruit who they wanted to. He wasn't as bad as I thought he would have been. But it wasn't great either. And he was very stubborn in his ways too. And and we had a pretty decent squad in the first half of the season, which has has been dismantled a little bit in January. And the funniest thing for it is there was just beginning to get that simmering noise of fans not really wanting him as head coach anymore. And then he goes and leaves (laughs) for a new job. And we didn't have the headache or the... The club can't blame us and fans can't blame those who wanted him out for his departure because he went on his own accord. So, yeah. It's a weird choice of jump, a place to go to, isn't it? Jumping ship to Crawley. Because, I mean, I suppose, it, as you say there, maybe it was a case of him going before he was pushed, but actually working out quite well for the club because I'm guessing you got a little bit of compo from yeah. him at the very least. So. Yeah, it, it, it depends on who you believe. Mm. There, there is a mentality thing with Scott Lindsay. He took a lot of things very, very seriously and very personally. And I genuinely don't believe the club were ready to pull the trigger because we faffed in re- replacing him. So there was nobody lined up. It took mm. weeks for us to replace him. So I don't believe that they had anyone lined up. So I think him leaving was actually a surprise. And it it made no real sense, no matter what the fans thought, it made no real sense to to sack him at that point because it was January. And we were doing all right. We weren't doing terribly. We were in the playoff places. So um, it it was a a surprise. And for him, uh, you know, other than (laughs) geography, what an absolute insane thing to go and do. Um, go to Crawley at this moment in time. Can't believe it. it. It's a bizarre choice, isn't it? We beat them 5-2 the other week and then they were appallingly bad. So, I mean, even with those games in hand, you feel like they are doomed this season, don't you? Yeah. 
Jody Boris, his replacement. Mm. Thoughts on his appointment? He seems to be fairly well respected as a coach and he'll no doubt have some good contacts. I guess it, it, it's sort of a waiting game to see how he does at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. It's, in terms of his CV, it's probably a little bit better than what the club were looking for last summer when they were trying to bring in a development coach mm. to be head coach. That That was always clearly... Swindon's model they really really tried I believe with the Brighton guy who's moved up um, to the first team squad now as, as a coach they really really pushed for him and it didn't work out and they yeah. ended up with Lindsay so what they've, they've got is somebody who had the best youth set up <laughs> in the country now the key thing there is was it down to his coaching that made them so good or was it because they were able to just assemble the best squad in in youth football I'm happy with the appointment but it all depends on whether Jody Morris has any say or gets what he needs in order to take us to the next level because we do have somebody who makes signings we he yet yeah, Jody Morris has definitely pulled in <laughs> pulled rank and, and made one signing this 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 winter so as long as he gets what he needs I think it'll be a very good appointment. And we are beginning to see uh, green shoots of uh, of the Jody Morris era, but I'm just wondering whether he needs a summer, his squad, and 23-24, uh, which I don't want. I want us to push for the playoffs, but I, I do wonder if our squad's capable of that. Yeah. Um, before I start asking you a few questions about uh, your current squad and stuff like that, I've got to ask you, as you mentioned earlier there, about uh, McCurdy's departure. Um Seemed quite inevitable, that one, really, for a while. I mean, he had a, a brilliant season for you last season. I mean, look, we can't stand him as a, a person, <laughs> particularly at And I've heard enough stories about his behaviour at the club to know that there's decent reason for that. But it seemed like you're the one club where things were just right for him and it just fell for him and, and the fans really loved him. But now you've got the cash and seeing how much he struggled at Hibs, do you kind of feel like but you've probably avoided the potential future meltdown with him at your club? He he was always he he was getting away with it at Swindon because we were winning and he was scoring. Yeah. I, I do believe he was quite hard to manage behind the scenes because of his quirky personality, and that is very very tolerable when you're scoring twenty goals in a season yeah. and um, and and you're a character and he he had the crowd in the palm of his hands. But if you're if you're having the career he's had everywhere else you're not going to get away with that and um it it just it was the right team at the right time but he wanted to leave he wasn't you know um saying no I'm doing this for the club because the club need the money he he pushed that move uh, through and that's it so we wish him well we got the best season out of him god only knows where we'll end up next but but yeah it was a good season I'm sure he would have done similar this time round but all his mates have gone now, so uh, it will be a completely different club if, if he turned up again in the summer. Uh, right, before I talk, ask you to tell me who your danger man and squad are, let's talk about the obvious person in terms of January signings that we've, we've, we've got to discuss. <laughs> Charlie Austin returning to yeah. the club. I remember, I re- interesting fact, I remember Charlie Austin scored his first goal for you guys yeah. at yeah. Brunham Park. You did enough. so well to get the game on, didn't you? That was <sighs> It was you know, flooding well, at the time. And... It was, well, yeah, they managed to, cl- there was a bit on the pitch, wasn't it? And it was really heavy rain that day. And to get the game on was quite an achievement. I was actually working at the club then. And there was all this talk about you signing this, having this player playing who was, um, 
he'd signed from Pool Town, I think it was. It was, yeah. he got it from. And, he, you know, he, he's been scoring loads of goals for them. We're thinking, oh, well, let's, let's see how good he is. What, two minutes in, he scores. Like, okay, he's all right. Him. Um, was Billy Painter the other goal scorer that day, I think, possibly? I think it was, wasn't it just 1-0, that, that game? I have a feeling it was 2-0, but I'll check Billy Painter was definitely his uh, strike partner in that season. Yeah, he'd yeah. ring the bell, because obviously Billy Painter later came to us and had a massive fallout with Keith Curl, as, as did many people, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, But yeah, how's he getting on, Charlie? He, he seems to have settled in okay so far. So he was having a little bit of a chit-chat with some fans at a recent game or something, I think, as well. Yeah, telling them to have a curry and a pint. Yeah, that was blown <laughs> out of proportion. That yeah. was... That was a couple of um, Townend-based fans showing their anger over what was a poor performance, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, it, it was storming a teacup, and it wasn't yeah. a reflection of the, the the whole fan base. He's 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 a, it's, it's kind of weird seeing him back because you know they go on to bigger, better things, and. Um, yeah, I kind of expected him to be a pure number nine, sort of walk around near the box and ready to head or follow up. But he's all over the shop, so yeah. he, he's he's creating. But the problem is, there's nowhere in the place where he's supposed to be. Yeah. So he always gets sort of taken off after eighty minutes because he's absolutely knackered. But he's doing all right. He, he can only play with what's what he's got in front of him, and and we're not as strong as we were. I suppose that's the challenge that with something like that, you know, sometimes you you bring these big players back and you think, you know, they're going to be stars and it never quite works out in the same way, but they can still be important players. We've seen it before with Carla. We've brought players, I mean, Joe Garner's come back to oh, us yeah. after so long, for his fourth spell with us. And he's only scored one in his, what, seven or eight games. But last two home games, even though he's not had a shot, on, so I think he's going to be a one shot on target those two games, he's been man of the match. Because he's a nuisance and he just creates so much for around him. That's just the way it is. Uh, well, other than Charlie, who who are the danger men that the Cala fans need to watch out for in your squad? I never liked this question, especially this season, <laughs> because we haven't got a standout, sensational player this year. We've got players that should probably uh, fit that bill. But it really does depend on how our opposition does. So, for example, Charlie Austin, he's he's, he's our best player, let's be yeah. honest. He, in terms of what he does, he's head and shoulders above. He's not be, he's not a player of the season, but he's our most talented footballer with the most ability still at this age now. But for him to do what he needs to do, we need Romeo Hutton on the right not to be marked out the game <laughs> because his crossing is, is such a threat. Uh, Jake Wakeling, who scored his first goal of the season at Carlisle he's kind of in rotation at the moment because he's been overplayed this season I don't think anyone including him expected to play as much football Um, it's his first full season as a pro and he is so busy he doesn't score too many but he is a nuisance and um, when when he's when he's like fully fit he he is a handful and then we have players that sort of more of the the suppliers, your Johnny Williams, if he's if mm. he's in good form, he's too good for this division. But we haven't seen as much of that this year. Again, all his mates around him from last year have gone. So um, and and I think that has played its part. And we've just signed George McEachran, who is a Jody Morris signing because he's he's he was a free agent for over a year, uh, having been released from Chelsea. And he's come in, and for someone who hasn't played a proper game of football for over a year. He's looked really, really good. And the other one, Rashawn Hepburn-Murphy, another attacking player. He is getting better and better um, as as the weeks pass. Again, having spent a long time out injured before he joined Swindon. So 
we have players, and if, as a collective, if we're cooking, we're looking really good, but we don't have, like, scary, great players stand up. We haven't got a Harry McCurdy, Lou yeah. Reed, Jack Payne, um, and, and all the support staff from last year that we had, which, which is so noticeable when you see Swindon on a week-by-week week week basis. I mean, that, that is a relief they haven't got some of those players because I'm still having nightmares of that 3 0 win as good as it was in the end. Mm. Um, I'm just looking for actually looking on your squad on transfer mark there. 20, was it 21 players come in over this season, possibly? Yeah, yeah. It's quite a lot, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Yeah, yeah. And, and there'll be a big turnover in the, in the summer as well. One of the things that a lot of fans want is just, just want a summer where we yeah. don't end up bringing in a whole new squad. And with Sorry. changes of head coaches and technical directors, you just know it's going to happen again. And it will happen again this year. And eventually um, eventually we'll get it right. But yeah, we've had a high turnover and a lot of players have left this season uh, for whatever reason. And um, and we've replaced them. And yeah, it's, it's a slight downgrades across the board for on the most, but not not all of them. George McEachern looks, looks very useful. Yeah. Before I finish up, because obviously we're going to record a little bit for your podcast as well, uh, yes. focusing on Cal United, got to ask you about your owner. Um, <laughs> came into a bit of fanfare last summer, taking over from, was it Lee Power, was it the previous he was, owner? Yeah. Not exactly Mr. Popular, I think it's fair to say. Um, new owner seems to have done all the right things. How is how, he getting on? He's almost got like a cult persona <laughs> at Swindon, and it's in my personality to naturally repel that. Um, the, the previous owner was an absolute rotter for our football club and had he stuck around, I don't know how long Swindon would exist for. So we, we have to show gratitude to Clem Morfuni for being the one to take the power on as a former associate of his mm. and to, to take ownership of the club. But if you're not in that cult of Clem, he they do make some basic, basic business errors, Swindon Town. And it's, we do sometimes scream that we don't have the right people in the right roles. Um, and I don't think that's red hot in the nose sort of insight. You know, we, we, we do seem to not promote ourselves in the best way. They have a rough week. And before you know it, there's a puff piece in Australia about how great Clem Morfuni is and how he <laughs> saved the club. And there's a few half-truths in those articles where where that wasn't the case. You know, I think the most recent one um, that was released this week in an Australia, a web, Australian website was that the, uh, the, the, the county ground pitch was left to nature, um, suggesting that it was overgrown and it wasn't. That wasn't the case. It, it probably yeah. needed a little bit of TLC on a professional level, but the game of football could have happened there and then on it. Um, but yes, they, they, he is very, very well liked and with good reason, but... The summer marks, what, the third year? We're going into the third season of his era yeah. and we've not made a huge amount of progress. And we don't know if, you know, he, he said there will be a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and that hasn't surfaced. And we're cynical with those sort of things, but we yes, want to see I it. always am. Always cynical of any 10 or five-year or anything. Yeah, like that sort of plan. But, but everything seems so ad hoc and... Um, yeah, that wouldn't go amiss, even if I if you, you if you uh, took it with a pinch of salt. But he's doing very well. He probably can't afford to be an owner of a football club that has to go into League One and, and compete. I think he need more 
investors and more money coming in from other sources if if he can't do it but his reign will be known as the one that that saved the club from probable relegation into non-league or going out of business and also the ownership of the ground will will go through under his watch even though he won't be the owner of the ground it'll be the club and the supporters trust um, that's a huge moment for yeah, Swindon, and, and, so. and that will that will be a, a huge legacy for all people involved in that. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, I think most Carlisle fans would agree that you guys have always stood out as being a sort of League One club that can sort of challenge up for the Championship, similar to us in terms of that sort of ability, but you guys have actually done it much more recently than we have, uh, <laughs> it's fair to say. Um, Richard, been very kind with your time. Uh, just to finish up, have you got a prediction for this weekend's game? All depends on how Carlisle do. If 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 um, if you have an off day, we'll probably squeeze a win um, because we're we're unbeaten in three and at home. So I think that advantage will play its part. Mm-hmm. But if you are in the quite frightening form that you guys can be, I w- I would expect you you to win. I don't. <laughs> so it's going to be a draw, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go with that draw. I'm going to go one-one. Right. Rich, thanks very much for your time again and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. Thank you very much. Yeah, big thanks again to Rich for giving up his time to speak to us about all things Swindon Town. Right into this one then, Greg. Uh, yep, this weekend's referee, Sam Perkis from London. Um, this is Perkis's, I think it's his fifth or fourth season as a EFL referee. He's taken charge of 24 games so far this season, handing out 88 yellow cards and 10 red cards. Well, I mean, that's quite astonishing, isn't it, really? That's a lot of red cards. I think he's given out six in his last eight fixtures as well. So they've they've really been packed in. Um, last season, he handed out 112 yellows and five red cards in 31 games. Uh, the last United game he took charge of was the 1-0 win at Scunthorpe in August 2019. Six United players were booked that day. I mean, the names roll off the tongue, don't they? Christy Elliott, Jack Iredell, Canise Carroll, Harry McCurdy... Uh, Nathaniel Knight Percival and goal scorer Ryan Loft so there you go quite a set there uh, I, I love this fact though uh, he was the referee who got hit by the ball and knocked out in a game a couple of months ago and where was that game at? it was at Swindon Town oh, so I'm sure he's not got great memories of going to the county ground but, but there you go head to head record um, 50 second meeting between the two sides United have won 13 Swindon have won 16 and 22 games have been a draw Looking at their squad, Greg, big yep. turnover from this season, isn't it? And and Massive. what do you what do you think in terms of the quality in there? I just see Charlie Austin, and that's enough. Yeah, that's the figure. Yeah, <laughs> he's, I just I rate him, uh, and there's a yeah, he's the one that stands out by a mile. I know we've got some fantastic striker options, but I would I would love to have Charlie Austin at Carlisle. He just he's a great player. But other than that, I don't know. There's nothing really. There's Johnny Williams, that... I suppose, in midfield as well. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Bar that, yeah, it's one of those ones I look and I think it's solid enough, and you can see why they're up in the playoffs. But yeah, interesting. You mentioned obviously Charlie Austin. There, he's, he's you know arrived to some fanfare last. Uh, was it back in, in the January transfer window? Having uh, left, was it a Brisbane Roar he was at? In Something like that, yeah, he was in Australia, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Brisbane Roar, yeah, I've just checked it there. So he arrived back from Brisbane Roar in Australia, and um, 
And yeah, he's not quite at the impact in terms of goals so far, but it sounds like it, they were expecting him to be just a little goal hanging out, hangs around the box. He's 33 now, he's probably not going to be as mobile. But actually, he's been a lot more than that, apparently. He's like a Joe Garnathan, he's getting about, he's winning the ball, trying to lay off to people. It's not quite working out as well for him as it is for Joe Garner for us. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to seeing the battle with him and Paul Hunting this weekend, aren't you? I, I think oh, yeah, that, that will be a good battle. That yeah. will be, yes. Because uh, two very experienced heads there who I'm sure have come up against each other in the past. In fact, they will have done. Because I think he was part. they were both part of the Preston and Swindon teams when they played each other in the playoffs. I, when, I think Joe, I think Hunting actually scored, didn't he, I think, at Wembley for Preston, right. I'm sure, in the, against Swindon. Um Back in, oh God, that would that be 2012 or 2011? One of the two anyway. Um, yeah, so interesting to see how those two get on. In terms of, in terms of the rest, like you said, it's a big squad. I mean, 29 players yeah. in there in total. Saul Brin, I think as well, for, who's on loan from Middlesbrough, the goalkeeper. He seems to be one they, they rate quite highly. He's, he's had a good season for them, I think. Um, they've just signed Tom Brewitt in midweek. I'm just uh, He's not actually included in the list I've sent you over, Greg. He's an right. uh, ex-Liverpool Academy player, but I think he's been playing out in America for the last um, two or three years, really. In a similar way that Corey Whelan went over there to play for a little bit in the sort of level below the um, the MLS. But yeah, the rest of it, Gavin Gunning's a name I've always heard of for years from playing football manager, mostly. Um George McEachran, obviously, was part of the England under-17 team that won the World Cup. Not the one oh, yeah. that Simo managed, he's the, the one that Steve Cooper managed. He's probably His he's brother is probably better known, isn't yeah. he, I think it's fair to say. But yeah, like I said, Johnny Williams is the only other one, and bar that, it, it, I know Jacob Wakeling's done quite well for them, and Luke Jeffcott's a name I've heard of, but he, yeah. he's not quite hit the potential you expect from him. They have lost They lost a few key players in the summer, though, didn't they? I mean, the obvious one's Harry McCurdy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, as much as we hate him, or do we hate him really now, I suppose? He's a good player, isn't he? Well, we love him now. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would save you. Indeed. But, I mean, you lose a player of his quality and, you know, his pace and skill and his goals, it's going to have a big impact, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It kind of feels as well like it was a an inevitability, wasn't it, him leaving Swindon, I guess, in terms of moving on. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't like. It doesn't seem to stay at a club for a while. He, you know, he he kind of gets to that point, and then he he gets itchy feet, and he'll say something, and then away he goes, and off off to another club. Yeah, definitely. Um, and they obviously lost three players to Charlton, where their previous manager Ben Garner did an incredible job with them last season. Um, left to go to. He's now back in League Two with Colchester United, though, isn't he? Um, yeah. Because didn't work out very long. I mean, Charlton's a bit of a basket case club. Is always a bit of a weird one when managers choose to go there. They replaced Garner with Scott Lindsay, which always felt a bit of a like, uh, they've, they've probably tried to get someone and they haven't got him and gone, oh, you know what, can't be arsed with this anymore. Let's just give him the job. He'll do. Um, wasn't massively popular with their fans, was doing okay at best. Jump ship to go to Crawley Town? And that's got to be one of the weirdest decisions anyone manager's made this season, surely. He must be getting paid a lot of Bitcoin, that's all I can say. <laughs> you can only presume that, can't you, really? He's getting the old, old Dogecoin, is it, what you call it? I think yeah. that. That's probably what he's getting. Replaced him with Jody Morris. Interesting character, Jody Morris. Obviously, he was uh, at Chelsea for quite a few years. It was a big expectation, and we never quite hit them with Chelsea. Good mates with uh, John Terry. Also good mates with someone you knew, Greg, isn't he? And, and was caught up in something with a, a former Carlisle player. Do you know who who's, I'm talking about? Des Byrne. No. Oh, Des Byrne. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Oh, yes. No, I know Mr. Byrne, yes. yes. 
But so basically, Des, Desi Burney, Carl Alphonse might remember, was with us under Roddy Collins. Um, he was caught up in a, a nightclub altercation, shall we say. Um, and and basically, I think it was John Terry, Jody Morris and Des Byrne, wasn't it? That yeah. caught up in that. Yeah, that... We won't go into the details of that in case you get ourselves into legal trouble. So, <laughs> yeah, move on. Yeah, but but but, but we, we do know a bit more about that than uh, than than we can legally say, don't we? So there you go. But yeah, so. so interesting link there. Interesting decision to go for him, and it, it kind of feel he's been talking and saying that he's sort of got one eye of tr- on trying to make the playoffs, which even with the games in hand, the court looks a bit of a long shot. Um, but he's also got his eye on next season, hasn't he? So. Quite interesting to see how they approach this game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and he's he's been around with the coaching a bit because he was uh, Lampard's yeah. uh, assistant at uh, Chelsea Derby, and at Derby. Derby. Yeah, he's at both. Yeah, so he's got a bit of a background. Yeah, so interesting to see what he does in terms of that. Um, talking about the uh, last game uh, we mentioned earlier, they, they drew one-one um, at uh, Orient. It's not not a bad result for them at all. Um, talking about United then. Uh, Greg, injury yep. update we've had this week. It's been very positive, hasn't it? Yeah, it's nice. We've got, we, we seem to be having a clean bit of health for once. So fantastic. It's, it's so uh, obviously those three players who featured in um, uh, midweek uh, coming back from injury against Workington. I don't think Josh Dixon will probably be involved in the first team just yet. I think they want to ease him back in with a few more uh, reserve games, don't they? I think until yeah. getting his fitness up. The same with Jamie Devitt. He's actually been back in full training, but he didn't play at Workington, but he will play. There's a reserve game going to be arranged for next midweek, and he'll play in that as will Josh Dixon and all the other players who aren't basically starting games at the moment. Um, so that's good news. Obviously, it sounds like Barkley and Edmondson are in contention for this weekend's game. Yeah. So big question is there. Do you switch things up on the bench a little bit and bring them in? I, I would have... Edmondson on the bench if I could. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. we've we seem to have got into this habit now of um, take the two strike whichever two strikers we go with, we'll take them both off at the exact same time. We'll bring the other two on, but then I think it'd be good just to have another one on the bench just to freshen it up a little bit. Yeah, and and, and Edmondson showed he can play out wide as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's got the capabilities in that. And and the thing is with him. If you're starting, let's say we start with Garner and Patrick this weekend. You can yep. take Patrick off for him and have him as the sort of pacey striker running in behind alongside Garner. But you can also take Garner off for him and he can be that target man to support Patrick as well up front, can't yeah. you? So you can play both roles, which is a real big bonus, isn't it? And, you know, it, it, I suppose if you're Gordon and Dennis looking at it, you're thinking, oh God, there's another bit of competition for a place in attack, isn't it? If you're the opposition, though, you're looking at it and thinking... Jesus Christ, look at their bench. Yeah. <laughs> How strong it is, isn't it? You know, three strikers like that, you can't even get in the starting 11. Actually, yeah, fantastic. Seriously impressive, isn't it? So obviously they're coming back. Um, another update we've had is that um, Finn back, potentially back at the club at the end of this month, which is good news, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, Taylor, but... Taylor Charles into early April as well, hopefully be back. Um, Jack Ellis, obviously, will be around about a similar time, I think. Um, and then it'll only be um, Dickinson, who is yeah. back out training on the grass, yeah. which is good to see. Yeah. Nice yeah. To see. I seen the photo on Instagram with him lacing the boots up, so yeah. no, it's good. Nice pair of black boots as well. We like to see that, don't we? Yep. None of that fancy shite. Um, and Toby Show Silver is probably the only one who probably won't get back before the end of the season, which is a shame because it probably means we've seen him playing in a Carlisle shirt for the last time. And, you know, yeah. As much as he's not 
the greatest player ever to play for us. He's played with a lot of heart, and he and he made a big difference last season, didn't he? With those those games when he came in and, and got yep. some vital goals, and even in this season when he came back, probably too early from injury against Tramir and put a pretty heroic performance in that first half, didn't he? Against them to the point that he could barely walk in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> had to be subbed off, didn't he? So, so there you go. Um, in terms of the actual starting eleven, then, Greg, what do you yeah. make a change here? Do you would you would you swap senior back in for Gibson? I I probably would. Yeah. And the only reason I'm saying that is is because I'm thinking of the last away game and the result that we got down at Crawley yeah. and the amount of goals that we got, and I'm just thinking I would probably revert to that game. But yeah. it's a great selection headache for Simo. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's a really good one to have. I think he will go with senior. And I think partly because you'd expect that playing away from home, the home team's going to be a bit stronger than Grimsby. They're going to yeah. be a bit more on the attack. So you want an actual defender in there. And as well as Jordan did, he's not a defender really. Is he? He's, a, he's a ta- an attacking player. And I'm sure he'll get his chance off the bench in that game. Um, in terms of the strikers, we've had the same strikers playing now. Is that three games in a row starting? Do you yeah. change it or do you stick? I would probably stick at this moment in time, but I would I would want to throw a curveball next week. Yeah, against Stevenage, maybe bring I mean, maybe even bringing Edmonton for that game a bit yeah. physical presence as well, a different physical presence. But then again, part of me is like Joe Garner up against a Stevenage side with Steve Evans in charge. Oh, that that that's that's a, an enjoyable thought, isn't it? Really? Yeah. In terms of the damage he could cause in that game, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, right. So we'll we'll get onto predictions now. Then, um, uh, in terms of the current points total, no change because n- neither me, Dan, or Mike predicted either of the goal scorers last week. Um, Greg, you can go for go on. You, you can have your prediction first. You're not obviously in the table, but you can have a go. Okay, I'll go one nil to Carlisle United. I I would have took a point, but I'm just I've got a feeling we're going to scruff a one mm. with a late one. Um, I'm going to go with Dennis. Dennis to get the winner. Okay, uh, I'm going to go 2-0. I'm going to back Dennis to score as well. Uh, and I'm also going to back uh, Amari Patrick. I'll get the other one. So there you go. Two strikers getting the goals. Um, right, here's what the other lads had to do in terms of their predictions. Dan first. Really inconsistent team, Swindon. One week, the are like in the promotion pack. The next is like the relegation uh, I'm on, on basis of that. I'm going to go for a two-one win to Carlisle, and we're going to have goals from Christian Dennis and J.K. Gordon this week. There you go. He's gone for the Dennis as well. We, we seem to predict Dennis every single week. All of us usually we didn't do it last <laughs> week for the first time at all, and he still didn't score. Obviously, but, but there you go. Right here's Mike's prediction. I'm going to go for a two-nil win with goals from Garner and Patrick. I like that, straight to the point, that. Um, well, there you go. He's the only one who hasn't predicted Christian Dennis. Uh, right. Um, well, let's do that question again before I do the X-Files section. Then. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll play the question again so we can hear it, and then we'll try and work out who it is. In September 2012, we drew two all at home to Swindon in a League One game. Both our goals were scored by a player who only scored one other goal in his Carlisle career. Who was that player? Right, so it's the start of the 2012-13 season, basically. Right. Um, so after we'd so we'd lost Zoko, Michelik and Tyro that summer, 
I can't even remember who we brought in. I mean, we brought Mike Edwards in, but he definitely never scored a goal for us. Yeah. Um, was that season like uh, Bunno was playing? Was that the start of yes, that season? Yes, it was. It was start yeah, of he, didn't, he never scored, though. Um, no, he certainly didn't. Uh, I don't know Chris uh, Chandler would have done. Um, Simic never scored for us. Sean Hanlon. Uh, no, he's, he's, I'm sure he scored more. Uh, he scored, I'm sure he scored against Swindon, possibly. But I can't remember. Yeah. Um, oh... No, I'm sure because O'Hanlon signed later. I'm sure he did. Higginbotham. Um, no. Did Higginbotham score for us? I'm not sure he did actually. Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, part of me wants. I'm to just try, I'm trying to think of like bit part players from that season. I want to say Danny Kadamashi in my head, but I, I can't. He, he must have got more. He must have got a few goals. He scored one at Coventry. I know, I know he was on the bench. He was on the. He was injured a lot, but he scored one at Coventry away. But um, oh, who, who did we have? On, who did we have on loan that season? I can't for the life of me remember really. So I'm going to go with Danny Kadamashi. I'm probably wrong, but uh, what are you going to go for? I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't think. It'll be some. It'll be an obscure loan signing. I can't. I can't think. Right. Here's the answer to the question. And the answer is Jake Jervis, who we mentioned in the X Blues news recently, as he's just joined. I think it was East Bengal in the Indian Super League. Oh, that's a good shout, that Dan. Fair play, that that cop. I was sure Jake Jerry signed for us before that season, but now think about it. I can I can imagine in the the, the kit that had the red sash on it. Now, now I think about yeah. it in the head. Ah, oh. random yeah. loan signing. Yep, you, you were spot on there. <laughs> <laughs> Got that bang on the minute. I'll give you credit uh. there. Um, right, let's do the XL section before I wrap it up. Um, uh, in terms of last weekend goals and cards. Um, Shock horror, James Tavernier penalty. Score from the spot in Rangers 3 1 uh, home win over Kilmarnock. Another shock horror, Andy Cook scored a goal. He scored the opener in injury time in Bradford's dramatic 2 0 win over Colchester United. Over 20,000 people at this game, wasn't there? I mean, that's seriously impressive for League yeah. 2. I know it's a big city and all that, but even so, it's, it, it's a hell of a crowd to get. And yeah, when that got, because we were leaving the ground, we think, oh, you know, Bradford haven't got a result. It's brilliant as well. And you see, you're like, oh, for God's sake, you know. We're hoping that really would work for us, but there you go. Uh, Jack Sowerby, he scored a... St- Have you seen this goal? No. What a volley it is. It's a, a corner sort of cleared out to him about 25 yards out, and he just hits it first time in off the bar. I mean, the goalkeeper for Crawley is a big lad as well, and he just sort of watched it. He had no chance of getting to it. It was an incredible strike. Did you see, though, the red card in this game? I did. I did. And and I seen Northampton's um, tweet where they said... We're not going to say anything, but he is the video. And, yeah. yeah. They appealed it, and the appeal failed. So he's yeah. got a free game ban, and they've said, we best not say anything more. So, yeah, I'm not surprised, because it's, it's a disgrace. It, it is a disgrace. Um, he just throws himself to the ground. But the the lad who, who got sent off, he, he does, like, what I can only... It looks like a petulant, like, like a toddler when they're stamping the foot on the floor. Yeah. And I can only assume that the linesman... Uh, thinks he stood on him. That's the yeah. only. It's the only thing I can I can think you of. Watch it. There's the only possibility is he might need him in the back or the back of his leg. And but it doesn't look like he does enough of an action to do that. It's, the angle doesn't really do any justice. And I, I don't know if there's any other footage that proves it's wrong. But I guess in the back in the uh, the officials on that one, which is a, a shame. But there you go. Yeah. Um, speaking of red cards, Rod McDonald, he was sent off in Crew Alexandra's one-one draw at Sutton United. Uh, he, here's a random former loan player for you again, Greg. Mika Obiera. Oh, wow. Two goals. 
He's got a brace in Wilston's 4-0 win over Ultram. He's got a few goals for Wilston this season, actually. I think about seven or eight goals for him. So he found his level, I guess, you know. Sometimes it works out for yeah. players. Um, Kelvin Langmead. Now, there is a, a very random old former lone player, isn't there? Yeah. Going back, I mean, going back 20 years since he played for us now, pretty much. It's that long. Well, it'll be 20 years. No, 19 years. Sorry. 19 years now since he was with us. Remarkable. Um, he scored in Banbury United's 4-2 defeat at Chester. Uh, it's midweek. Uh, shock horror. James Tavernia scored a penalty. <laughs> uh, it's he seems to do, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And, and the occasional free kick. Um, scored a penalty for Rangers in their 4-1 win at Hibs. Uh, Cole Stockton not been in the goals so much this season, but he, he chipped in the midweek. Uh, scored for Morecambe in their 1-1 draw at Cambridge United. It looks like Morecambe are potentially going to... It's close. They're in the relegation zone at the moment. Yeah. They've got a good chance, haven't they? Staying. Yeah, up. it's 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 tight. It's tight down there. It looks as though Forest Green's gone. Yeah. Um, it looks like um, MK Don's uh, probably going to go as well. Um, but yeah, that last spot's tight. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I'm trying my help hardest not to. But when you look at the current bottom four in League One. Next season, potentially, if we do go up, you lose, like I said, you're losing Forest Green, Cambridge, and Milton Keynes Dons. Yeah. Great. That's free some clubs. Yes, Morecambe are down there, but you basically got then got a bum fight between probably go up to Cheltenham, don't you? Cheltenham, Oxford, Burton, Accrington, and Morecambe. And I think the, the two that are in the best position, unfortunately, to stay up are probably the two you'd rather went down, aren't they? Oxford or Cheltenham. But there you go. And in terms of up near the top, Plymouth Argyle potentially going up is great news. And when you, even when yeah. you look at the playoffs and it's incredibly strong, isn't it? You've got Derby, Bolton, Barnsley and Ipswich on the player positions. Well, only one of them is going to go up. So potentially some fantastic away games next season, isn't there really, when yeah. you look at that? It's, it's, and if Wigan get relegated. Oh, well, the championship is like the championship is the big one because the three teams down there at the moment don't look like they're going to avoid relegation, do they? Because they're all six points adrift at the moment with no games in hand. And that's Blackpool, Huddersfield and Wigan. Three Northern away games. It, uh, I've never wanted us more to go up into League One <laughs> as I have done for a long yeah. time because it, it potentially is going to be great, isn't it? There you go. Yeah. Um, On to the other two goals that were scored in mid, or three goals, sorry, midweek. Uh, Richie Bennett scored his first goal for Scunthorpe in their 2 0 home win over Ultranham. They're giving themselves a, a fighting chance of staying up Scunthorpe. I mean, God, you know, better the devil you know, isn't it, really, in terms yeah. of their. Uh, or well, they're by the grace of God, I suppose you'd say, wouldn't you, for that one? Uh, Mark Beck, he's scored a few goals since he's moved to Solihull. He got another one in midweek in their 3-2 home win over Torquay United. Again, another team who are really struggling this season. Sean McGinty, he, he scored. He, he chips in with the odd goal here and there. Yeah. Um, he scored for Air United in their 3-1 win at his former club, Greenock Morton. And Nathaniel Knight-Percival, he picked up a red card in midweek. He was sent off for Kidderminster Harrys in their 2-0 defeat at Chester. And the only other bit of news is Magnus Norman's got an international call-up, Greg. He's yeah. been called up to the England C-Squad, so uh, which is the one that um, I think Carl Hawley and Matt Glennon played for back in the day. Simon uh, Grant. Uh, sorry, Simon Grant as well, I think, yeah, possibly. I, yeah. I, I have a feeling... John Mellish. Yeah, he's played for them in the past, yes, that's true. Um, I, I think Chris Lumsden was called up one of the squads, but turned it down because he didn't particularly like Paul Fairclough. I seem to remember that was the story, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> so there you go, that's lovely. Love to hear, isn't it? Um, that's it then. That, that's this week's episode done. Thank you very much for joining me, Greg. Really appreciate no it for stepping into the uh, to the breach. I'm sure we'll hear from you again before the end of the season in the 60 second reviews. Um, we're all planning for the rest of the season, aren't we? In terms of away games and stuff like that. I mean, Sutton's the big one we're looking at and trying to work out how we yeah. do it. 
you're already down there that weekend, aren't you? I'm, I'm down. I'm down there the Saturday. I'm at a craft beer festival in London, so I'm, I'm trying to work out if I can get across it with the coronation. Hmm. Um, that's an extra hurdle to consider. Yeah, yeah, that's on the side, isn't it? I think. And yeah, we, I'm not giving any tips, but there's some there's some cheap hotels in Sutton that you can book. I definitely booked one already, so, so there you go. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks once again to our sponsor, London Branch. We'll be back next week for a preview for the Stevenage game, which is going to potentially going to be an absolute belter. We might even try and uh, put the Bradford preview into that one as well because we probably won't have time to do the Bradford one uh, before the midweek game. So, uh, yeah, thanks once again for joining me and up the blues. Up the apple sour blues. <laughs>